Today is Friday, January 5th, 2024. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Freed Hamas hostage shares details on the psychological warfare she and her family has put through for 50 days. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. Email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. We'd love to hear from you in your neck of the woods, whatever you have going on. Uh, we're getting through the news of the cray together each and every weekday morning, bright and early. And look, guys, I'm just proud of myself on this Friday that I have not said 2023 at the beginning of the show instead of 2024. I usually am good to do that for at least a week where I keep saying the old year on the new year. Am I, am I alone on that? You are not. I do it for the next three years, so I get very confused. You're still with the still years. stuck in 2021. I saw a meme earlier uh, this week that was talking about how the first week of the year is the week that we all get planners that we intend to not use for the rest of the year. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> very very true. Like the the planner industry, big day for them. And yeah, it's a big um, week, you know. Yeah. But then it's over. They should do like a big follow up. A PR campaign saying, hey, I know you haven't used our planner that you got a month ago. Like, <laughs> Or maybe they just don't want to remind everybody they're happy with their with their once a year racket. So, yeah, but, I, but I digress. All right, we got a lot to get to. We're going to get right to it on the focus story. A Connecticut woman becomes the first non-resident to undergo medically assisted suicide in Vermont. Well, that's concerning. We'll get the details on that coming up. On the main thing, Wendy Griffith from CBN, she caught up with Brett Baer talking about George Washington's fight to keep the states together in those early days of the American experiment. And I want to alert everyone to a new podcast that we have coming up, the Newsmakers Podcast. This is a daily podcast we've just launched. And before we get to the news in 90 seconds here, Billy, I just wanted to uh, let's introduce everyone to this podcast. I'll put the link to it in the description. We're excited about this. Just tell me a little bit about what's going on here. Yeah, you know, we have the Newsmakers show and we, we run that on YouTube and on the news channel, but the podcast is daily. Um, so it's exciting. We've got a different interview every day. Uh, we've had already, we've got five great interviews up there and more to come. Candace Cameron Bure, Danica McKellar. Um, and, you know, it's not going to all be entertainment. It's going to be a real mixture of actors, pastors, you know, notable news figures, stories that are going on, kind of talking with the subjects of those stories. And these are going to be episodes that range you know, probably 10 to 25 minutes in length, really kind of in-depth uh, discussion. So I'm excited about it. Yeah, it sounds great. And the full interviews, right? Like, so a lot of times in news, you know, you're having to get to a bunch of different things. So you get the sound bites or you get a shorter portion of it. So this one is going to be focused on the full interview. So we hope that you will add that to your plate of CBN offerings that you have in the morning. You know, you listen to the Quick Start podcast and then you want to dive into an interview, just hit that one up next. So we'll have the link to that to subscribe and follow that one as well. And that's hosted by you, Billy, primarily. So uh, you'll be hearing Billy on those interviews and uh, probably occasionally myself and Trey uh, whenever Billy has to hop out or something like that. But uh, for the most part, it'll be Billy on that. We're looking, we're looking forward to it. But again, the link in the description to this podcast episode. All right, without further ado, we're going to get to the news in 90 seconds and one hostage survivor speaking out about the psychological warfare terrorists put her and her children through it's a gut-wrenching interview on 
CNN. Her name's Doran Katz Asher. And she said her daughters can remember every little detail about October 7th. They woke up to the sound of sirens. They hid in the shelter, but alas, it didn't work. They were eventually taken out. And it was her, her mother, and daughters who are five years old and two years old. They were thrown into the back of a tractor with other hostages from their kibbutz. They were there for 50 days in Gaza. And she said that they people they, they sent them to a house and they were being watched by this family and they didn't give them information. They tried to say, though, that Hamas wants to release us, but in Israel, no one cares about us and that we won't return to live in the kibbutz because it's not our house. It's not the place where we belong. So things like that they were exposed to day in and day out. And eventually they were taken to a hospital, which she said is a so-called hospital, which is interesting because she said that's where they hid the terrorists and they hid all these hostages in the hospital, uh, which is exactly what Israel said they were doing. Christian leaders and ministries are banded together to support a call to fast, pray, and worship from January 8th to 28th this year. It's called the Roaring Twenties, and you can read more about that over at CBNnews.com. Guys, I mean, these we're reading, we're hearing more and more about these experiences from Israel. Of course, I mean, we've heard some of them, but this one offered a little more insight that I hadn't seen yet. When she talked about the, they were initially just at the house of a family. You know, don't know what the details are on this family, but there were some kids that were like watching over them to keep eyes on them all the time. And the fact that they subjected them to that sort of, like she called it, psychological warfare, trying to say, oh, they don't really care about you back there. They're not coming to get you. And she said they never believed them, but it was still difficult to hear. And obviously being in the middle of all that, they're hearing the explosions, they're hearing gunfire, um, which also made them know. She said, look, we knew we're hearing all this gunfire. We're hearing the explosions. We're hearing it get closer. We know they're doing something. They're trying to either come get us or, or get us freed. So, And then now she's living with the guilt, too, that her uh, father is still there. Or actually, I believe it might be her grandfather. I don't know the detail on that. I'll check here in a second. But one of her relatives that was taken with her, still there, uh, even though she and her kids were released. So gut-wrenching stuff. Yeah, it's it's really just heartbreaking, you know, to to hear these stories and to get more insight, right? There, there's sort of the assumption of what's going on. You hear murmurings. But now that we're, we're hearing the real stories from the people who have gone through it, it's as horrible and horrific as we thought it was going to be. In fact, it's even worse, you know, some yeah. of these accounts. And so, you know, we, we have to make sure people understand how bad this was and that they, that they grasp the gravity of what unfolded here. And we've got to be praying for these victims and, and also for the captors and the people at the center of Hamas leadership, that they would have changes of heart. Yeah. Yeah. I think something too is to, to realize that collectively this, the Jewish community has been consistently throughout all of time has been marginalized, persecuted, under attack. You can look throughout scripture and you can see throughout history books. So it's it's not like a mystery to realize to understand why they're traumatized, right? Why Israel is so traumatized by what happened, because not only are they dealing with the horror of what Hamas did and stories like these, but they're also dealing with just the breadth of 
persecution that they have dealt with year after year after year that's just been been chasing them uh, as they've just fought for their right to exist. So I think keeping all of that context in mind as we pray and as we read stories and learn more about you know, what's happening to this community, it's important to keep that that whole contextual history in mind. Yeah. And when you consider those numbers that more and more young people are either don't know about or are denying the Holocaust happen. You put all yeah. of that into one big picture and it's just, it's so important to, to hear the stories that these people are saying so that it's ingrained. And, you know, we don't have what's happening to younger generations happen this time around, which seems to be what a lot of people are trying to make happen. They're trying to make people forget about this already or make them think it didn't happen. And it's crazy. It's crazy, especially when, there's so much video evidence and people are still looking to deny it. Really, really, uh, it's, t it's tough stuff to hear, but I think it's important stuff for all of us to hear. All right. We're going to head over to our focus story now. And we, as we mentioned at the top of the podcast today, a Connecticut woman becoming the first non-resident to undergo medically assisted suicide in Vermont. I mean, this was, guys, this is just a couple years ago or up until recently, this was something that you would hear and you'd think, okay, this is happening in Switzerland or this is happening in Norway or something like that. And we're in Vermont and this in Connecticut and Northeast of America. What's, uh, what's going on here? Yeah. Unfortunately, this is becoming increasingly common, uh, in the United States and just in the, in the West generally. So 76 year old Linda Bluestein, she traveled to Vermont from Connecticut on Wednesday in preparation for her planned death, which took place yesterday, Thursday morning uh, at 10 a.m. Uh, through lethal injection. Uh, it was not an option available to her in her home state of Connecticut. Uh, so she traveled to uh, neighboring states so that she could uh, undergo this suicide, essentially, right? It's just medically supervised. It's a physician-assisted uh, suicide. Uh, it was her son, Jake Shannon, who kind of shared some of the details about it with local media. Uh, and previously, uh, in an interview uh, leading up to her decision to end her life, uh, she said, I'd like to be remembered as someone who never thought that second best was even in the realm of possibility, who always believed that you can, uh, that you can make everything better. Uh, she also condemned uh, Connecticut uh, as, quote, a cruel state for not offering medically assisted suicide. She said, our state has failed my family and many others uh, by not allowing her to take her life. Now, she suffered from terminal bouts of two different kinds of cancer. She had ovarian cancer and cancer in her fallopian tube. Uh, and she was given essentially a five-year survival rate, and that's only in 31% of the cases. Uh, so she didn't have a really optimistic outlook, you know, on, on what the future was going to look like. And barring a miracle, uh, there wasn't really a, a medically optimistic um, uh, prognosis for her future, but that was ultimately why she chose uh, medically assisted suicide. Goodness gracious. I mean, I'm just trying to put myself into that thought process. I mean, obviously tragic yeah. that she was going through these devastating diagnoses, but at the same time, you would just hope that people would say, all right, I'm going to fight this. I, hey, 31% is better than 0%. 
Right. And even if yeah. it was down in the low percentages, even lower than that, you'd still think I'm going to pray for a miracle here and I'm going to fight. And it's just sad that people would look at a percentage like that and then essentially just give up. And um, man, man, really, really just hard to hear that that information as you were relaying it. What are what are some of the other states allowing when it comes to medically assisted suicide? Well, one thing too I want to note is that she, Bluestein and her doctor actually sued Vermont in 2022. Mm. Uh, they claimed that the state's uh, residency requirement, it re- Vermont required people who were going to commit uh, medically assisted suicide in the state to be residents of the state. She claimed in a lawsuit that that violated the Vermont state constitution. Uh, so ultimately, uh, Vermont gave her a pass and a settlement said, okay, well, included in your settlement is we will allow you, we'll drop that requirement for you. And then a couple months later in May of last year, uh, Vermont became the second state uh, to remove its residency requirement altogether. The only other state uh, that does not require you to be a resident to go through this process uh, is Oregon. So the other states that allow it right now are uh Obviously, Washington, D.C., not a state, but they allow it. Uh, And then California, Colorado, Hawaii, Maine, Montana, New Jersey, New Mexico, uh, and the state of Washington. So it's something that's growing here in the United States. Like, don't think, like you were saying, Dan, it's something that I think we often think is just happening in European countries. But it's increasingly part of American culture, unfortunately. Yeah, really seems like it. I mean, Billy, what do you think? And when you're hearing these stories, and we've covered a lot of life issues, we've covered uh, these end of life issues as well. I mean, what's your take on all this when you're when you're hearing the facts that happened in this one? You know, it's heartbreaking when somebody is going through a situation like this. You know, I I don't know what that's like to to be going through that pain and that suffering, but I do think we we really need to have a conversation about the the value not only of life. And of the idea that we don't get to choose when we come into the world, and we certainly are not intended to choose when we are leaving the world. Of course, nobody wants to suffer, but I do think, and again, it's easier said than done, but that we have a real failure to understand the value in suffering, what we learn through suffering. And, you know, there have been a number of people who, you know, Christians who have gone through a very similar experience and have not chosen, obviously, to um, do such a thing as go through doctor-assisted suicide who have talked about that value and suffering and what they've learned. And so I think we need to lean into that and understand that um, that gets lost in this conversation. And I think that's unfortunate because we really do learn some of our best lessons in the midst of that. Again, I'm not trying to whitewash it, make it, this is not simple. It is incredibly painful and difficult. But when I hear the number 31%, and, I know, you know, that yeah. that's kind of alarming. It's yeah. like, well, even if, yeah. if it's 0%, even, you know, you would think you'd want to fight until the end. Right. And when I see, I don't know, when I see stories of people fighting to the end, I really admire that grit. Well, yeah. yeah. And, and I think when you look at something like this, and I think the danger here in just being okay with allowing a physician assisted suicide is it promotes a culture of death. It really does. And when we already have a culture that's bent on abortion, when when a culture is so obsessed with violence on the screen, on the big screen, and in video games and stuff like that, I, you just don't want to foster this idea that, well, you can just discard your life when it's when things get really tough. Well, it, I think... It, yeah. yeah. The, well, 
morally, ultimately what it comes down to, whether it's abortion of a, a, an unborn child or it's taking your life because you've got a terminal illness. Or by the way, there are some areas around the world that want to say you can you can go through physician assisted suicide for a, a mental diagnosis of just having severe depression. You're just so depressed uh, that that should be an option on the table. So uh, we're getting into really, really dangerous territory, I think. But ultimately what it comes down to is uh, I, I'm God, right? I have the ability yeah. to make a decision uh, that's, that is a permanent decision. Um, and that should be my decision to make when in reality we're made in God's image, right? And God is the the author and the finisher of our faith. He's also the author and he's the Alpha and Omega of, of this entire creation. And he's the only one that has the ultimate authority to make those decisions. Uh, and as believers, we know that we should submit to his will and submit to his plan. Um, but we have a, a secular world that's increasingly telling us to submit to nobody uh, and that we chart our entire destiny and we chart our course. And I think that's that's a sin in a, in and of itself by choosing to usurp the authority of God. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. And so many, probably all of our sins, boil down to the fact that we decide that we know better than God, <laughs> which is effectively yeah. what you were saying. I am God, right? Right? Okay, God. Yeah, good idea there, but no, uh, I'm not doing that. And I have a better idea. And that's that's going to lead us down the wrong path every single time. <laughs> If, yeah. if we go that way. Well, you know, I would also add that this never, ever ends ever at terminal illness. It always right. goes into mental illness yep. and all these other things, as we yeah. sort of hinted at before. And that is the biggest concern from a secular perspective. That should be concerning, too, that you have countries where people are being put to death because of depression. Yeah. And and then, and then it'll go beyond that, like you said, the slippery slope. I mean, then you're just going to have option. It's just, hey, I'm having a tough time financially or... I just don't like the way things are going or whatever. And then it'll be, you know, they said that with abortion, it was the same thing. Oh, only safe, legal and rare. And now it's just sort of like shout your abortion. So we have no reason to think that it won't go the same way uh, with this one. But uh, important story. Uh, Trey, I appreciate you bringing that one to the podcast today. And we're going to head over to the main thing now. And Brett Baer is a familiar face on Fox News. He's one of their veteran newscasters, and CBN's Wendy Griffith caught up with him recently to discuss a different topic than the news altogether, and it's a topic that Bear has written a book about, George Washington and the struggle to unite America in its earliest days as the American experiment was coming together. Fascinating stuff and a great conversation, and that's today's main thing. As an author, Fox News anchor Brett Baer seeks to bring historical figures like Patrick Henry and Paul Revere to life. This time around, in To Rescue the Constitution, he focuses on George Washington, who, according to Baer, is the only one who could have convinced a ragtag army to fight the British and believe they could win. He had this ability to fire them up, and he had an ability in imposing this belief that liberty was worth fighting for. These guys, some of them didn't have shoes. They had bloody feet in the middle of Valley Forge in the winter, and yet they overtook the British forces. What was it about George Washington, about his character, his person, um, that was so unique that, you know, was the glue that held everything together? George Washington was this stoic figure who was well-respected, and 
in his silence, mm -hmm. he found common ground with the different disparate groups uh, to be able to link everybody together for the good of the country. As a man of faith, Washington also believed God was on his side. You look at the miracle of bringing together all of these people and ratifying this document around a very tense time, um, that had to be a divine intervention of some kind. And the fact that he even survived, because he wasn't just commander-in-chief from afar. I mean, he was on the front lines with his men, and he, he never got injured. Yeah, and that also is pretty divine intervention, you would think. You know, it's a lesson for our times that you don't have to be the best. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to hustle and have faith. And that belief helped Washington and his army to defeat the British. But even with a declaration of independence, the newly formed United States of America appeared anything but united or independent. That time right after the war, it was really a split and people were wondering whether the U.S., which was not even the United States at that point, was going to go back to British rule. Despite all this, Bear says George Washington held the country together, and in 1787 came the drafting and signing of the U.S. Constitution. It's a unique document in the world, and there are a lot of people who say it needs to be adjusted and doesn't work right, but if you look really closely, um, it's held the test of time, and it has been a living and breathing document that enabled our country uh, to operate in liberty. What can our leaders in Washington, and really what can all of us learn from George Washington? Dissent is okay. Don't be afraid of what feels like a very partisan time of different opinions, but listen first and try to find some common ground. Washington did that, did that better than anyone. And your book is called To Rescue the Constitution, uh, and you believe that George Washington was the rescuer? He was the rescuer. He's the reason that we have a constitution. Um, he is the one that essentially got it across the finish line. And without George Washington, we wouldn't have a country. Wendy Griffith, CBN News, Washington. All right, Wendy, thanks for that interview there. Really appreciate it. And uh, that's, it's always fascinating to think back. I mean, I live right off the Delaware River. I live kind of not far from Trenton on the, on the Pennsylvania side of things where the Battle of Trenton took place. And so there's a town right next to me called Washington Crossing. And it's just so I, I think about that time a lot. And it's just crazy. It's crazy to think, first of all, for me, that it happened like right here, <laughs> that this is where Washington crossed. And there's a bridge right there, guys. Like, why did why was it so hard with all the boats? Why did they why didn't they just go across on the bridge? So that's a joke I like to tell my kids all the time. <laughs> like, why was it so hard, guys? Look at the bridge right there. It's dad, dad joke o'clock. It is dad. It is dad joke o'clock. But uh, but fascinating to think back on that time in history and just really the divine providence of all of this coming together. Yeah, no, it, it is. And I think, you know, we spend a lot of time arguing over details in people's lives and the mistakes they've made. Yeah. But it's incredible when you look at these stories to see what these people went through. You talk about mm -hmm. suffering and enduring suffering and challenges. And because of what they did, 
good, good, bad, ugly blemishes. We're all sinners because of what they did. We're able to do and live the way that we live in this country, the freest country in the world today. And that is never lost on me when I hear these stories. Amen. Amen to that. All right. Hey, we got time on the podcast. One last thing, but it's our last one last thing. It's first Peter five, seven, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And I think it's just a great reminder as we deal with the chaos of the day. <laughs> the chaos the of the chaos day and the chaos of, the of your dog. Yeah. I'm telling you. No. Yeah. 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 I think that's a, that's a great reminder for all of us, especially coming out of a really busy season and stepping into a new busy year. Good thing to keep in mind. Amen to that. All right. That's going to do it for the Quick Start Podcast this week. Don't forget to subscribe to our brand new Newsmakers Podcast. Again, that link is in the description to this podcast episode. Lord willing, in that creek don't rise. We shall return on Monday. Have a blessed weekend. See you. See you Monday.